coach Rick Soul. Welcome to episode number 38 of the Path to Follow podcast. It's great to have you in. You're our first Zoom call podcast, but Jezere has fixed everything up, so it's it's nothing has changed. You know, it's like you're really in the room here. Um, but it's great to see you again. We were just catching up before recording here and talking about how the last time I saw you, we were on the field kind of confused we had just won a game against img academy we we're all feeling good and then all of a sudden it was like everyone take your bags get your stuff time to go home and uh covid covid is here so it was it was unfortunate because we had a lot of really good players and our team was we we're doing pretty well as coach nostrand's first year it was your first time at you know coaching at gilman and uh we're, we're starting to to groove a little bit as a team um, yeah, but, but yeah, it's, it was unfortunate, but it's good to see you again, coach. It's great to have you on the podcast. Well, it's great. It's great to see you too, Jake. And I, I appreciate you, um, inviting me to, to join you and just chat for a little bit. And, uh, um, you're right, man. You just touched upon a lot there and, and you think about the last year and how excited we were this time a year ago, as you mentioned, you know, coach no chance first year, you know, the senior class, um, you know, all fired up, big, big class, committed, seemed, uh, seemed as though they were very committed. Um, and I came in, you know, I guess it ended up being a, probably about a month or so, um, you know, and just in that short period of time, um, man, got to really just uh, enjoy the team, the guys being around guys, you know, people like yourself, obviously I know your old, you know, your, your dad, I was going to say your older brother, but uh, <laughs> oh, on that. where am I going close on that one? But your dad and I go way, you know, way back. And, um, you know, I was very much looking forward to, you know, working with you and getting to know you more, too. So it all, it all, you know, unfortunately ended, um, you know, back on that March 14th. And and we all have our stories. So it's not as if we're sitting here, you know, I guess, you know, we're, we're talking about the fact of the matter. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, we weren't alone, as we all know. And, um, and uh, but yeah, modern technology with the Zoom and allows me to, um, you know, to, to, to be here in Northern Virginia and, and as you mentioned, um, have a conversation just as though we were in the same room. Exactly, right? And, and Coach, what are, you, what are you up to these days now that you, you know, you're not at Gilman anymore, you're not coaching? What are you working on right now and, and who are you coaching? Yeah, yeah, great question there, Jake. I, I actually moved back in July. I lived in Severna Park, Maryland uh, for about nine years or so. And uh, we decided to move to Northern Virginia um, out near Dulles Airport. I don't know how familiar you are with uh, Northern Virginia. Yep, Chantilly's yep. the town, I, uh, the area I live in, Fairfax County. And um, and so, um, you know, I, I feel like I've come full circle in my coaching career because when I be began coaching, outside of when I coached at Washington College, I, I graduated from Washington College in 1985. I stayed two years and coached with Coach Corquin. And then I came to D.C., um, I guess it was 1987, and uh, three years at St. Albans, and I ended up coaching at Georgetown for eight years. So I kind of feel like this is where I got my official professional coaching career started. And, and now that 30 year or so years later, here I am back, you know. Um, um, uh, but I really did like the area back then. I mean, again, 30 years ago, but um, and a lot has changed. Um, uh, but, you know, I really like the area. And so we decided to move here. Um, I'm still very involved in lacrosse um, on, well, I would say on all levels, but mainly the high school youth, that level, some, you know, college age, uh, doing some training. Um, I've worked with a number of teams. Um, I've actually, 
done some, um, I'm going to do a podcast with a team. We're going to talk about leadership and, um, um, you know, just, you know, seniors, you know, just, you know, just kind of just having a conversation, just seeing how I can help if, if I can help just in terms of, you know, what a, uh, you know, a culture of leadership looks like and that those sorts of things. But um, I've actually, um, I'm also, um, I became the boys director at, um, it's a, it's a, it's a fitness center, uh, Jake, um, and you go fitness center. It's a fitness center like I've never seen before. I mean, it is um, full. They have a full, full, full field, indoor field, but it's not just your hundred yard field and, and then the buildings around it. It's a, it's actually a full size soccer field. I don't know soccer all that well, but they said it's FIFA, FIFA length, which is 150 yards, mm. you know, and it's a, it's a wider field too. So you can only play a game in this facility, but you can do a lot more outside, you know, around it. And, um, and so it really is going to be a nice facility, but in addition to that, it has two hockey rinks, two Olympic sized pools. It has a weight room, like a three-story weight room. It's got a restaurant. It's got a spa. Oh, wow. and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's three years old. Um, and um, they, they have a girls, they have a girls program and they want to, uh, which includes a, um, club teams, they do they do clinics, they do training, and they want to do the same thing on the boys' side. And um, so it really is, uh, to be honest with you, Jake, what I've been wanting to do since a year ago or so. Um, and um, and so I'm excited. This just happened, to be honest with you. It just happened over the last three or four. We've been talking for the last couple of weeks, just, you know, just kind of, you know, um, you know, getting to know each other and, and seeing as though, seeing if we would be a good fit for each other. And um, I'm super excited. The, the, the place I'm working at is called the St. James, um, you know, the St. James. Um, and I, I got to find out why exactly they're calling uh, it's called the St. James, mm -hmm. but that's what it's called. It's in Springfield, Virginia. And it's, it's, it's an unbelievable facility. It really is. And so I'm excited to be their boys director. And like I said, I'm, we're going to be doing some training, we're going to be eventually we're going to start a club program and um and so um so yeah so i'm you know i'm kind of my sleeves are about ready to get rolled up and i'm going to deep dive i actually started coaching a um a uh, one of the club teams coach no strands club team mesa mesa, mesa fresh and yep. i and i'm doing that for a couple of reasons hey um um they they need to the help so that you know that that certainly that kind of got things going initially but um it's uh I, it's a great opportunity for me to, I, I enjoy working with any group of kids. So, and then this particular case, they're sixth graders, but, um, 2027s, I guess they are, but, um, um, that, you know, I'm going to be involved with youth, you know, youth lacrosse. So for me, it's like, you know what, this would be great just to kind of, you know, kind of deep dive into it, you know what I mean? And just kind of get into it and just kind of see how, you know, the coaching and, the, you know, and, and, you know, I'll be observing, um, you know, Travis and John picking their brain. Cause they obviously have, I think, I love their model. I love their, their, their club model. Because the Mesa model is really all about development and, and getting players better and maybe not so much winning tournaments, but yes. more about the process and, and getting kids to actually enjoy the sport. And there's a lot of lacrosse organizations now, especially these club teams that, it's so competitive that it's all about winning the tournament and building the organization and building the brand name. And so Mesa is a little bit different because it, it helps guys get, get better. And that's, I played for Mesa growing up and it was like that back then. And it's, it's like that back now. So no strand, you know, he sticks to his, 
sticks to his model, which has worked for sure. No, oh, no question, hundred percent. And I, and that is me too, to a T. I'm, I'm about developing, and I'm going to strive to win. Believe you me, we're all competitive. We all want to win, but at that age, and you know, you know, again, I'm talking sixth graders. There's a lot for them to learn. There's a lot that they don't know, and and so. I want to be a part of helping them become better players. Yes, we're going to go out and we're going to strive to win. All right. But that's not going to be the end all be all. It's just, it's just not. But um, so, yeah, that's, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We had, we had a scrimmage on Saturday, which was my first time, you know, just being around the, 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 the um, you know, the team and, and um, you know, that was exciting. And then we had our first, I guess you can say official practice yesterday. And so that was fun. And uh, so that, you know, that'd give me something to do. Um, well, geez, for a while, because the season starts at the end of March, it will go until, um, you know, sometime in May, I guess, depending upon how far you go in the playoffs. But, um, you know, but so I'm looking forward to coaching, but I'm also, um, I'm keeping an eye on just, you know, how things are being run and, you know, just kind of looking at, um, you know, whether the league or, you know, again, you know, Mesa with Coach Nostrant, uh, Travis Loving, um, you know, just kind of, you know, trying to learn as much as I can about the club, for sure. Environment. For sure. Um, are you also, I'm sure, keeping an eye open for, for college positions? Are you looking maybe to get back into college coaching at some point? Or are you pretty content where you are with, with helping guys develop and become, you know, college players? Yeah, you know, another great question, Jake. But I, I'll, I'll be honest, when I um, when I left Navy, we were talking about the, the pandemic being – a year ago, it's hard to believe it to be almost two years. And at the end of April, I can't believe that, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But when I left at the time, I I, I, I kind of just felt, you know, it was just a feeling that, um, you know, I was ready to move on from college coaching. Loved it, had a great experience, tremendous, um, you know, 28 years, eight as an assistant coach, and then another 20 as a head coach. Uh, feel like I've had, I got my fill. No, if there was a great opportunity out there, or my, you know, I mean, you know, Urban Meyer thought said thought he wasn't going to coach, you know, you know, college football, pro football ever uh, again, and and uh, you know, look what he look where he is. Um, but um, uh, but no, seriously, I do think that um, maybe that is in the past, and and I don't want to say it's my calling. That might be a little bit taking things too far. But um, you know, the idea that being able to give back and help those the youth develop and whether they become college players or better players or ultimately Jake, just have a great experience. Right. You know, right. that, that to me is, you know, I'm like the, the other, like yesterday, for example, I'm running around and I, I told the kids, I said, fellas, one of the reasons why I want to coach you guys is that I get to be, I can be a little kid like you, you know, yeah. I can run around I've got my stick. And, you know, of course they had me do We, you know, we had a little competition. I lost, I had to do, you know, 20, 20 pushups. They enjoyed counting those pushups, you know, so things like that <laughs> are exciting, you know, and they like it too. And, and, you know, and, you know, it, it, um, you know, it just brings a, you know, a little bit different touch to practice. Now we're going to work hard too, but you, you know, it's kind of a little bit of give and take. Right. And, right. and then you get them, you get them where they're working hard and they don't even know it. You know what I mean? There's where, you know, and that might, might take me a couple of weeks to get them to that point where we're doing some things that we're really, you know, that you know if they stop and thought they're gonna be like man coach is really getting out coach is really getting out there today yeah you know they're yep. they're not gonna feel it they're gonna be having so much fun and then when they go home and lay down on the couch that's when that's when it will uh that's when it will hit them but um no so yeah it's 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 a lot of um a lot of fun and like i said i'm very much looking forward to yeah coaching it's, a, these guys. it's a different different caliber different 
mindset of coaching to the college game, I think, but it's also like you're you're still involved with lacrosse, you're developing players, you're focusing on really, you know, the important parts of a player's development. You have a hand in, you know, what they might do in the future, a huge hand in what they might do in the future in that development process. And that's kind of wh- where I started to get into coaching was working with younger players about technique and doing lessons and clinics and, you know, focusing on the, you know, some of the ways that I learned from my dad who taught me lacrosse. And that was really what was fun for me. That's kind of how I got into coaching in the first place. And I'm sure it's a similar story for you. It's like, you know, why'd you first want to coach? It's because it's pretty fun, right? It's, you're still competing, you're helping people. hundred percent, Jake. And, and, you could talk to players that I coached when I was at Georgetown and my, you know, when I first got into coach college coaching uh, back in the early nineties, you know, I'd be out, you know, I just love being on the field, helping them develop. That's what I, I, that's the part. And, you know, and coach Nostrand will tell you too, that, you know, even with the Gilman guys, I was looking, you know, that's what I was back in January, you know, taking those guys, you know, Hey, it's going to be, 50 degrees on Sunday, you know, Sam King, you know, Hey, if <laughs> guys want to work out, I, I, you know, and then walking up, walking up. Cause when you, as you know, when you, when you park at Gilman, you can't see up on the top field. I'll never forget the one day it was like on a Sunday and it was a rain. It was the last second. They contacted me, Sam or maybe Jack Torlani. And um, they said, coach, you know, we can work out. And, you know, and I said, yeah, sure. Not knowing, you know, I thought it'd be a handful of guys. I went, walked up those stairs and there was like 30 guys. I was like, oh my God, you know, and that was, again, to me, another sign that, man, these guys are, these guys are serious and they're into it. Um, but that's the part I really, really, really enjoy putting the time in, you know, getting them wraps, teaching them. Um, and <laughs> for, I don't know, I coached for 28 years in college coaching, probably 25 of those years, I complained, you know, I used to complain with other fellow college coaches about the high school kids coming into college and, you know, they, you know, they, they bring their bad habits and they don't have this, uh, you know, we all grouchy, you know, we got to break them down and then we got to reteach them. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm on the other side. I get to, I get to, I get to shape them at an earlier age. I got to, now I got to put my money where my mouth is. Right. You know, right. I, was, I was moaning and groaning all those years. So now it's like, okay, coach. So, all right, you were talking now. Okay, you know, show us how to get it done. So, put a little pressure on myself now. Uh, you know, after all those years of um, of moaning and groaning, um, I love it. You know, I'll be developing players that um, these college coaches, uh, you know, hopefully won't be doing the same thing I was doing. <laughs> so, Coach Soul, tell me a little bit about your entrance into the sport of lacrosse and who kind of inspired you or motivated you or helped you get into the sport because I know that you, you started at a relatively late age, right? 10th grade, right? 10th, 10th grade, grade. You started playing lacrosse. I was a baseball player um, all the way up through played little league Babe Ruth. Even my, even the first year I played lacrosse, I was in 10th grade. Um, I, I was still, I was only 15 years old. So I played Babe Ruth baseball um, uh, late spring throughout the summer um, made all the all-star teams. We had a pretty good team actually. Um, one of the guys I played with ended up going on and playing um, professional baseball. Kurt, Kurt Manwaring played for the San Francisco Giants all the years. Won a won a World Series. Played with Bonds and and all those guys. So yeah. Um, but what it was, I, I a co- uh, and this Jake, you know, when you're, I'm at the age now when you look back, 
you can look back on certain points in your life, you know, whether it's a decision that you made, whether it was just another decision that, you know, at the time you had no idea where it was going to lead you. Mm-hmm. And now you look back in your life and you go, wow, you know, like what would have happened if, you know, instead of going this way, I'd gone that way. How would my life turn out? Well, we had a, a teacher who came to my school district. I was in, I guess I was in like eighth grade. And um, he had played uh, football and lacrosse at Hobart. And he came to my school district to teach. He was a math teacher, but he also coached basketball, which he ended up coaching me in freshman basketball. He coached football. Um, initially, he coached JV football. He was my JV coach. And then he, he became the varsity assistant assistant coach um, my junior and senior year. So he coached me in football three of my um, high school years. Um, and so he starts this lacrosse program. I was in eighth grade. It was a club program. It had to be club for a couple of years before it became a varsity sport, uh, as I found out later. And I'd see guys walking around the halls, you know, with, you know, stick in their hand. And, and yeah, you'd talk to them. You'd wonder, like, what the heck is that? You know, yeah. like, what? Um, and so never forget this. So my sophomore year, I had a pretty good football year. I was a quarterback back in the day. And, and, um, so season ends and he, he, his homeroom was right across from my homeroom. So I'd seen the coach every day, coach Moffitt. And let me tell you a little bit about coach Moffitt. He was, you know, he was, you know, our, ba- our freshman basketball team and our football team. We won a lot. We ran a lot too. <laughs> you know, he was a big disciplinarian. He was big on conditioning. He was big on fundamentals. And, um, and, and while that may, may at times wasn't pleasant, mm-hmm. the results, we, you know, we, we, we won a lot. And a lot of times we beat teams, you know, we, we were pretty good players, pretty good, but we were, we were winning probably more than we should have been winning, you know, and it was just a direct, it was just a direct reflection of his coaching. We were in pretty good shape. Plus, Plus, we know if we lost, we were going to be doing more up downs on on Monday. So, <laughs> so that you know cr- created a little bit of extra motivation to to win. But no, um, so from the end of my football season till the beginning of lacrosse, I kid you not, till the beginning, he would talk to me about trying. You know, like you should try to play lacrosse. You know, Rick, you'd be good at it. Blah blah blah. And I'd be talking to him about what? Give me, so tell me the rules. You can hit people with this, you know, and they, they had those wooden shafts back then, you know, the wooden, yeah. you know, and those PL-77s. I don't know if you're familiar with those, those real thick heads <laughs> that when you throw a poke check, the head wasn't bending. Your rib cage, you know, and your body was bending, not the, not the stick head, you know, yep. and, and it could be a, uh, could be a thousand degrees and it wasn't going to wilt, you know, it was that hard of plastic, you know. And, um, and he's describing, you know, how you can, yeah, you can get hit. Now there's penalties and he, you know, he, he did try to explain to me back then a slash and all those um, penalties. Um, and, you know, I, I, for every day, except like the, literally was the day before practice when I said, you know what, I'm going to play lacrosse. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. And, um, Super light too was my first stick. Blue head, white, red, white, and blue, white net, had the red string, um, you know, mesh stick. Although later on I became uh, traditional and I used to string, I really got into it. I you got into it, yeah. Sticks. Oh yeah, and so that's what tipped it off. Sophomore year, um, it was our first varsity year. We were five and 13. And then two years later, we ended up being 14 and five. Um, I just told recently, um, um, I forget who it was. I just talked to someone. But um, I was a long stick midi, if you can believe this or not. My first year, I was a long stick midi. And back then, you could play 
you can play with like tweener sticks, believe it or not. You, you could play with like a 50 inch stick, you mm-hmm. know? And so it wasn't the super long one, but it wasn't the 42 inch sticks either. So it was kind of that tweener. A few years after that, they, you know, they, they uh, changed the rule where it is to this day, where you had to have the, even the suit, you know, the long ones or the 40, you can go from 40 to 42. I think 42 inches is the longest they make shafts. Um, but um, so, yeah, that was my first year. It was a long stick, you know, D midi. Didn't score one goal. Didn't score one goal. But you stuck with year. you stuck it with it after that first year. It's something about the oh, yeah. sport made you want to, you know, you fell in love with it. You fell, fell in love with it. Yeah. yeah, fell in love with it. My butt. It's funny because I, you know, my 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 best friend grew up in my neighborhood. He's a couple years younger than me. One of my best friends, and um, he, um, you know, they talk. My neighbors. We, you know, when I go home, we we we, we talk about how I kind of started a revolution of lacrosse, you know, because I was had to stick. I had all the little neighborhood kids, you know, we were getting sticks in their hands and we would build goals. We'd have, you know, take two by fours and try to build like, it wouldn't be a six by six, maybe it was a five by five. And we have, we, you know, get a net and we'd be out in my backyard. That's the things that we did, you know, Mm -hmm. when growing up, we, a lot of neighborhood, whether it's football, basketball, street hockey, you you name it, you know, we were doing something as kids. Well, that's something that, something that I, I talk about a little bit is that kind of creativity in the sport of lacrosse is lost a little bit with, with a lot of organized and constant competition like it, I fell in love with lacrosse just from playing in my backyard with, you know, pickup games of, you know, with that's the it. mini lacrosse net. And that's, that's it, it sounds like it was similar for you. That's the fun part. It's the creative part that's of it. That's the fun part. Yeah. Yeah. And creative, you, you know, you get the boys and to your point about, you know, um, you know, the competition and leagues and all like you just, you know, you had your back, backyard, you had your buddies. You, you made up the games, you made the rules and you enforced them. You know what I mean? You know, you, you know, you weren't, there's no referee, there's no parents, you know, it's like you, you know, like, yeah, you guys had to figure it out. And yeah. There were times when you'd argue and, 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 and maybe things would escalate and flare up, but that, right. that, that's just all part of the, you know, the right of being a boy growing up. Right. That's exactly. how I saw it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> from, from starting to play lacrosse, did you have any thoughts about, coaching lacrosse early on or or was that did that happen naturally from working with younger guys after college and did you fall into coaching naturally or did you have an idea that you wanted to get into it yes I did you know I had when I was in high school I coached or not coached um we had a um Thorn Street Park had a pool you know kind of the town you know town pool had like baseball football fields had tennis courts it had basketball courts. You could have a little, there was a little picnic area. People didn't picnic a lot there, but you could. Um, and it was the place to be during the summer, you know, the place to be during the summers. And I worked there, um, you know, I used to hand out, you know, if they'd come and want a basketball or if they wanted to, ten- you know what I mean? So that that's, so I knew like right then, I just enjoyed being around sports. And um, you know what I thought I was going to be, to be honest with you, back then, I was like, you know, I'd like to be a gym teacher. You know, mm-hmm. I just kind of, you know, I'd like to be a gym teacher, you know, and, and then eventually and then coach. I'm, I'm sure that that was part of it too, but that didn't really kick in until a couple of years later when I was a sophomore in uh, college, I came home and they started a youth league program and they asked me if I wanted to coach. That's when, that's when the lacrosse coaching bug really kicked in. My buddy that I was just telling you about Mike Dandrews, his name who grew up in the neighborhood. He and I coached this team that summer and they were fifth, sixth graders. And 
it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. It was so much fun. Just, you know, we, we were like the bad news bears at, at the beginning. Of the, you know what I mean? We had some of the, <laughs> the kids, the characters, they were tough kids. They didn't know how to play the game. You know, and they were a couple brothers that would, you know, would fight the Cook brothers that, you know, Jeff and T Timmy, they would fight all the time. You know what I mean? They were just, and we, you know, and we started off, we, we lost in the beginning. And then by the end of the year, we won a championship, you know, we ended up winning, you know, and it wow. was just so exciting to see them, how we all came together and how we, we, you know, and then winning it. And, and so that, that was, that's what got me going. You know, that really was, um, now I didn't know if it was going to be, I, I was thinking more high school again, going back to even being a gym teacher mm -hmm. and even, and even when I mentioned earlier in the conversation about coaching at St. Albans, I really thought that that's, and I was fine with that. You know, I was, yeah, that's kind of, you know, what, um, I, I guess envisioned, you know? Um, so tell me a little bit about, um, coach Corcoran at Washington college and his influence and maybe a little um, bit about what it was like, because so many, players on your team ended up coaching eventually. And, and I've heard That's coach Nostrand in the office rave about Terry Corcoran and his influence on all of you guys. It's so true. He, I can't say enough, can't say enough, you know, be it my, you, you mentioned this earlier about who were the influences, my high school coach for sure. Um, and he like, again, got me going. He made sure I went to, you know, he helped me get into college and, and, you know, he was, you know, he was the one coach Corcoran. It's like coach Moffitt handed up the baton off to coach Corcoran, you know, and he just took it to another level. Now I was probably, I was five years into playing lacrosse. So, I, you know, maybe the time was right, you know, three years in high school, I, I had to go to junior college for two years before going to Washington college. And so, yeah, I was five years into playing lacrosse went down to Washington college and um, they were asking me just the other day, you know, how, like, how, how did you decide to go to Washington college? I, I said, when I sat in coach Corcoran's office and just listened to him, him talk about his vision of, you know, just playing at Washington college and what it would be like. And I was, I would have signed up right then and there to play for him. You know, this was like spring break. I was at, at my junior college, my sophomore year. And I went down, visited Delaware, visited uh, Washington College. And um, and I would have signed that with a couple of friends too. They ended up going to Syracuse. They, we visited Maryland too. I wasn't looking at Maryland. I just went along for the ride. They ended up going to Syracuse, me, Washington College. But as you mentioned, um, a lot of coaches, I, I don't know if it was just, you know, luck. I'm sure some of it, a lot of it was his influence. There's no question. A lot of it was his influence, mm -hmm. but to have all of us, you know, yeah. um, you know, coach Nostrand, you know, Kevin Giblin, Steve Bevel. I mean, just, you know, great coaches, but we, he was just the type of guy that um, you would run to a wall for, you know, you'd run for, he would do, you know, he, you know, he would do anything for you. So loyal um he yeah we worked hard you know and 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 he was a disciplined coach very similar to my high school coach no no doubt about it um obviously very knowledgeable he's a great player in his own right you know and his dad was a as was a legend coach joe corcoran up where i grew up that's that's kind of how i ended up there you know ended up going down there when he became the head coach because his dad had coached in the league that i played and so they he knew you know they knew he knew me he um and of course, my high school coach too knew Coach Corcoran. So there was that that Hobart tie. But um, yeah, I can't say enough great things and, and what Coach Corcoran has meant to me personally and the impact and how my life has turned out. Again, one of those, I look back and go, man, 
you know, I went to Washington College and, and, and you know, look at how my life's turned out. I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't want to go back and, and roll the dice on, you know, you know, pick it another way. I, I'm, I'm very happy th- the way things turned out. Hopefully we got another 30, 40 years of happiness, but I, I owe a lot to Coach Corkin. So how, um, so I, I think about a lot of the times when I'm on the field coaching, how I might sound like or incorporate the lessons I've learned from previous coaches, especially my dad, just a lot of the things he's told me growing up infiltrates my coaching style a little bit. Um, and I, and I, a lot of the times I hear my dad and some, from some of my previous coaches when I coach players now, and I'm wondering maybe how coaches in your life, maybe coach Corcoran has impacted your own coaching style and maybe some of the things that you do as a coach that reflects their coaching styles. Oh, there's no, there's no question. All those, you know, uh, I will say this and, and from, from going back to coach Moffitt and, um, you know, the work ethic and the discipline and the fundamentals, I, that's, that's my script. That's what, that's who I am as a coach. I'm a big believer in, you know, working hard, um, you know, fitness is important. The fundamentals are important. Um, you take an athlete and you, you know, you, you, you know, get him in shape and, and make him fundamentally sound, develop, you know, develop his fundamentals, man, he, that, and then you let his athleticism take over. And that's a pretty good recipe for success. And that, that's that I've got that like um, right out of the, my high school coach's playbook. Now, Coach Corkin was, I learned just things. He was just so much fun to play for. <laughs> I mean, it's just hard to describe almost. Um, just his personality, how, you know, having fun was a very, very, very important um, part of it. Now, I'm sure some of my players, when I first got out and started coaching would, would argue that like coach, you, you know, you were, you know, some of the stories that they tell me, we talk about, you know, I'm like, well, we're still having fun, you know, but, um, but, um, certainly as I've gotten older, I've realized, um, you know, the value of, um, you know, making sure, you know, even if you're mad at them, you know, you're coming out the other end, you know, in the practice, you know, we move on, you know what I mean? Forgetting about it and, and not letting it linger. I will say as a young coach, I probably did let, you know, a bad practice linger, a bad game linger longer than it probably should have, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but again, those are things you learn as you go along. Um, so from coach Cork, when I learned, you know, certainly having fun coach Yurik took that even to the next level coach Yurik. Um, just coaching with him for eight years and his style, which was different from my high school coaches and coach Corcoran's. Um, and so that was, you know, want to talk about lessons that I learned. Um, and of course, a lot of one-liners coach, coach, coach York is the king of the one-liners. He's so funny. And so I've believe you me, you were just saying how you hear yourself, your mm-hmm, dad mm-hmm. and yourself talking, you know, I'm rattling off coach, you know, coach York's one-liners left and right, you know, I, you know, trying to get a laugh out of the guys like uh, he used to get, you know, from, from his players that he coached. So, so, so coach Yurik um, at Georgetown was another huge influence mentor for you in, in coaching for sure. hundred yeah. percent. Yes, he was. No, I mean, and I have him to thank again, another one of those, you know, I, you know, coach Yurik, I was coaching at St. Albans for three years, my third year. He became the head coach at Georgetown um, that first year, my, my, essentially my third year at, at St. Albans and, um, and St. Albans and Georgetown are very close to each other. In fact, we used to practice um, right across the street from Georgetown. We had to take a little a bus to practice. Um, and we would um, literally practice right across the street from Georgetown. So we used to co- and play games there too. 
So he used to come over, um, you know, watch us play. And um, he didn't know a lot of people that first year. And um, so he'd come to my games and we knew each other. Of course, I was actually, um, I was supposed to go to Hobart out of high school. I, um, I had committed to play football um, in lacrosse at Hobart, but unfortunately I didn't do well in school. Um, um, and so that's why I had to go to a junior college. So Coach York and I knew each other for sure. Um, and, um, but it was at the end of his first year, <clears throat> they had enough money in the budget, I guess, at that time where he could hire a full-time assistant coach. His first year, he had two part-time assistant coaches, one who ended up becoming a really good friend of mine, Will Schmidt. But um, so at the end of that first year, he asked me if I would be, you know, if I'd be interested in being his, his, um, you know, his assistant coach. Um, and, um, you know, you want to talk about, whoa, you know, Coach yeah. Jarek, I get the coach with Coach Jarek. Right. At, at a place like Georgetown, you know, I mean, that was, um, you know, I couldn't believe it, you know, and, and um, um, so that was fun. That began, we, you know, a, a lifelong relationship. Um, his family, they have three, three, three kids, Holly, Scott, and Mindy. I, <clears throat> We're almost close to them. I, I call myself family. I, I'm like a member of the York family. That's how close <laughs> we are. And Mrs. You, I, you know, going those apple pie, you know, go over their house, you know, and 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 uh, she used to make just the best apple pies. And so, yeah, the the York family, um, again, uh, you know, the Yorks, the Corcorans, the Moffats, those three um, have really meant an awful lot. And the reason why I'm sitting here talking to you today, no doubt. Well, my mother's at the top of the food chain. I don't want to go without saying her. She is the real reason, the number one, two, three, four, five, and six. And then the coaches come in seven, eight, nine. Um, but between the four of them, um, they're the reason why I'm here today talking to you. For sure. And um, I do want to talk about as a head coach, right, at, at Dartmouth, at Stony Brook, at St. John's, at, at the Naval Academy, you've had all these experiences as, as a coach, whether it was an assistant position, but, but from there on as a head coach, what is it that you look for in a player that you're recruiting and how do you identify certain characteristics of players that, you know, you feel like they would fit well into your program? And those are very different schools that you've had experiences at, right? Dartmouth and St. Yeah. John's and Stony Brook and then the Naval Academy, which I, I definitely want to talk about the Naval Academy. But is there certain qualities and aspects of a player that you feel are super important, maybe outside of just raw skill set, right? Because that's sure. that's obvious. Every coach is looking for raw, raw right. skill set. But what are those intangibles that you look for as a recruiter or coach? Yeah, you know, and that's, you know, the, the one thing about, as we know, recruiting, it's not an exact, certainly not an exact science. But I, I do, I, I, I love, um, you know, I, I love multi-sport athletes, you know, um, you know, that, that's one of the things that not, that's not to say that, you know, someone who just played lacrosse, I wouldn't recruit just as hard, but yeah, in general, yeah. I, you know, I think um, because the situations that I've been in and, and, and again, I look at myself as part of an example too, um, and what my coach was able to do to me. Um, but some of it was the circumstances of these programs and having to build programs and not being from the position of, we're selecting our recruits, you know, we're, we're, we're on the other end, you know, we're just trying to get, you know, trying to get some good athletes, you know, that we can develop, you know, um, 
And, uh, and there's plenty of them out there, that's for sure. Now, the game has grown where it's becoming harder and harder. They're doing a lot more at a, at a, at a younger age, and the stick skills are, yeah, the skill development that's, you know, come, have become, you know, just watching the games these days and some of the, you know, some of the, you know, some of the things the kids are doing on the field, how they sling that ball around is pretty impressive. Um, but, you know, multi-sport athletes, um, you know, there's, there's the, there's the, you know, the evaluation, the live evaluation, trying to pick up as much as you can, just in terms of the competitiveness of a person, mm-hmm. you know, how he competes. Um, and I think, again, that's another one of those that, you know, we're all kind of looking for and, you know, what separates what I'm looking at versus the other guy, um, you know, I, I don't ultimately I don't know and again it's never an you know we're not we're never you know perfect you there's you know you take chances on guys that you hope they're going to develop and some a lot of them do some of them some of them don't but um, it's more of the mindset though you know and that's the one thing um, whether I can try to see how he competes during the game talking to the coach getting to know people you know that knows him what makes him tick that's that's one of my big you know, I, you know, it's one of my big line, big questions. And I'm like, what makes you tick? You know, I want to know what makes that, you know, what makes what, you know, what gets you fired up? What gets you motivated? What, you know, kind of give me. So that at the end of the day, I'm trying to find out what makes a person tick. And, um, you know, if it has the right ingredient, you know, ingredients, if you will, again, competitiveness and, you know, um, you know, whether it's again, multi-sports, as you mentioned, yeah, we're going to look at the, you know, the, you know, the athlete is he fast, big, strong, you know, um, all those measurables. Um, and so it's a combination, uh, when you really get down to it, um, um, you know, obviously getting to know the kid too is a big part of it, but some kids are quiet, you know, you don't know, you, they, you don't really get to know them until you get to know them. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, there's time invested. You don't get to know them within five, 10 minutes or even a couple of phone conversations. So, and even um, when they when they come to your campus and sit down with you, they're you know they're fifteen, sixteen years old. I remember when I was fifteen years old in my garage, like calling Petromala. I was so nervous. I was like, oh my, oh my god, I'm calling Petro. Like, you don't really know what to say. And my no. dad actually gave me some some good advice that helped me with those calls to college coaches. Is like they this is what they do for a living. Is they talk to co- college and high school kids. Like it's it. you know just try to feel comfortable with it. Um, yeah. But I know, I know I, talking to some of the Gilman guys and some of the other players that I help with recruiting stuff, it's like it's it's nerve wracking. It's hard to talk to college coaches for the first time, for it, sure. There's no doubt it could be intimidating, you know, especially as you mentioned, you know, coach like, you know, Dave Petramala, you know, can you imagine that? You know, that's that's all you're getting a call from, you know, Dave, Dave Petramala. You know, that's that's got to be really exciting as a 15, 16 year old, um, you know, uh, kid. But um but yeah, your dad's your dad's right. It's um, and I, I I I'm I'm consulting some kids too, some high school kids, you know, who are going through the recruiting process, and and I'm talking to them about hey, and these are they're sophomores now. I'm like, you're going to be talking to these college coaches, just giving them tips, you know, being able to ask, be, feel feel comfortable to ask them questions, you know, because mm-hmm. they want to be able to talk. They don't want to always, you know be asking the questions and then getting one word, you know, right. responses, right. you know, like, you know, you know, get it, get, you know, kind of go back and forth, ask them questions, you know? And, and, um, and so, but yeah, to your point, it, it's not easy though. Um, and, and the worst part is when you got, you know, you got a bunch of schools interested in you, you got to whittle it down to five or so, five, six, four, three, whatever you do. And then you got to pick one, you got to pick one out of, you know, out of those two, three, four, 
there's where it gets tough. And, you know, the kids happen to call the coach up and say, you know, thanks, but no thanks, coach. You yeah. know, I'm going to go to, you know, school X or school Y. I know that that's really tough for those high school kids. But um, um, let, let me ask you another question in terms of recruiting. So of all the schools that you coached at in, in over your career, what were the what was the hardest school to recruit at? And, and maybe what was the easiest school to recruit at? I don't know if that question gives a clear answer, but yeah, they, they all know, seem they like all... different schools to me. They all had their, they all had their challenges, <clears throat> significant challenges, you know, challenges for whatever the reason. You take a school like the, um, you know, um, Dartmouth, um, obviously Ivy League. Um, they, you know, the success of the program was, you know, very limited um, when I took over. Um, so trying to sell, um, you know, that we're trying to turn it around. That's that's challenging. Um, you know, the Ivy League, um, you know, that that, you know, getting into the school that especially Dartmouth, they're on the upper tier of the I Ivy League in terms of admissions process. But then the flip side of that, though, is it is the Ivy League, you know, and I've seen I've seen, you know, I witnessed kids turn down, you know, scholarships to other schools to come to Dartmouth, you know, and so. You know, it has its challenges, but at the, you know, on the flip side, like, hey, kids, I, I used to say this and I, um, when I coached there and I've been saying it ever since I left, the word Ivy is a very powerful word. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, that's a very powerful word. And then I moved on to St. John's and that was, that had his, its challenges. Um, it was a new program, building a new program. Um, you know, it was a urban, it's in an urban environment versus, a you know, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, Hanover was the opposite, you know, right, rural. Right. Uh, and um, so that there's th those challenges, but, um, you know, but it had big time basketball, you know, at the time, you know, big, you know, mm -hmm. Big East basketball was, you know, that helped lacrosse. There's no doubt about it, you know, um, and it appealed to a different kid. It was a big commuter school. Um, so it was more, even though we did try to, we did and actually were able to recruit, you know, nationally or at least regionally, we were going to get a lot of our kids right there from Long Island, which is not a bad place to get a lot of your players, by the way, you know, right. Right. You, go to Stony, you know, you go to Stony Brook and that, you know, that had its challenges too, you know, with, you know, you know, Stony Brook and, um, you know, being, um, you know, state school and you got um, a but, decent you know, wave of Canadians at Stony but, Brook though. How'd you, yeah. how'd you get that? How'd you, how'd you, get the Canadians down to Stony Brook. How'd you, uh... you want to know what, you know, I don't know, Jake, and people, people ask, you know, have asked me this over the years, um, particularly when I was at Stony Brook and we were, you know, we were having some pretty good years. Um, Jordan McBride, um, who's one of the, you know, the top scores I've ever coached easily. Um, you know, he, he would score, he, he would score, five goals and have the ball in a stick for about four seconds. He can get it in on a stick, you know, quicker than anybody. And he could catch Canadians, you know, they could catch anything. He was more of an off ball, off got off ball guy versus a, um, you know, carrier. But to the point of uh, the conversation, going back to what we talked about, what I see and what I, you know, what I'm looking for, he was at the 205 camp. I don't know if you remember that back in the day. Oh, yeah. I, was I was there. Was the I was there. Year. Yeah, you've you've had, you know, you're old enough to certainly be. You probably went to the two hundred five. I did, right? I did. Yeah, yeah. I was at I was yeah. at two hundred five. You went to yeah, of course. Um, and um, he was there, and so this is when I was at St. John's, my last year at St. John's. Um, I started recruiting my psalm. He was a little heavier, heavier, slow, 
but mm-hmm. I just noticed his hands were just unbelievable. He could score. I mean, and he was at this camp and uh, nobody recruited. I was the only one who recruited him. So when I left St. John's to go to Stony Brook, and of course he's Canadian, he grew up in Van, you know, uh, British Columbia, you know, the, 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 you know, from St. John's, St. John's a story, but didn't matter to him. He just wanted to come to the United States and play lacrosse, you know? So I said, I said, Jordan, I'm, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, leaving St. John's to go to Stony Brook. We'd be interested. He goes, yeah, you know, he was you know, absolutely. I was the only one that was recruiting, recruiting him. And um, so when people ask me like, and I'm like, fellas, he was right there. He was right there at the 205 camp for all you other guys to see. And I was the <laughs> only one who saw him. Now, what that led to, though, was he said, coach, one day when I was recruiting him, he said, coach, this is I, one of my friends of mine, Kevin Crowley. He, he's very interested in coming to coming to the United States and play, too. You check this video out. Check this video out and tell me what you think. You know, it was him playing. It was kind of like in a pickup, kind of looked like a pickup game in the background. You know, it was just in a crappy field, I remember. And this tall, lanky guy just running up and down the field. <laughs> and I'm going... Oh yeah, you know he can come our way. So that's what really got it going. And then Robbie Campbell, he played on the under nineteen team um, that uh, Kevin played on as well. No, did Kevin play on it? I don't think Kevin played on it. Uh, but I ended up recruiting Robbie Campbell off the under nineteen team, and um, and then I just you know, again it's that kind of led to the all pipeline. these other. Yeah, it's the Canadian it pipeline. That's awesome. The Canadian, yeah. And at that time, Denver had Canadians, a lot of a decent amount of Canadians. Jamie Monroe at the time was the coach. Mm-hmm. He's the one who really started. Now, you know, we could talk about the Canadians. I know I'm getting off topic here. We can talk about the Canadian influence on our sport for for a long, you know, for for a long time. I, I call it the Canadian invasion because that really <laughs> has impacted our sport over the last 20 years. For sure. Now, even going way back, you had the Gates. You had the, you know, you had great players that would come down and play, but not like it ended up being, you know what I mean? There was a one point where the floodgates opened up. Everyone had to get a Canadian player, you know, you just had to get a Canadian player, you know, to validate your team. It felt like, you know, um, but you know, there was a reason why they were pretty good players. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's so true that you can see how much they've influenced the sport now with all the picking and the picking and rolling going Absolutely. on and the inside work. And yep. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget our first game, um, Jordan. We played Virginia. Jordan and Kevin, um, they just tore up Virginia in the two-man game. I, I, I can't remember the stats, but one of them had like five goals and two assists, and the other one had like four goals and three assists. I mean, they, they, that was they just picked Virginia apart. They had no answer. They had mm-hmm. no, now, I will give Virginia the um, credit. The next year, you know, they figured it out, you know, obviously we know they have the, you know, tremendous athletes, but, um, uh, but no, yeah, they, we gave, we, we gave Virginia fits for four years. I mean, we played them great, could, could never beat them. We lost to them three times by a goal, one in overtime, could never get over the hump, could never get over the hump on them, but they were, we had played some great games. Um, but yeah, it was the, you know, as I call it, the, you know, again, the Canadian invasion back in the, you know, um, you know, the two thousands, you know, um, it really started to it really started to for you, sure you know see it come you know see the impact that they were having nationally on our sport so so coach i, I do want to ask you about uh some of the leaders and players that you've coached over your career and maybe if you could think of um maybe we'll get to to the naval academy first because i'm i'm curious about as a coach at navy how you 
could lead leaders. Like all the players on your team are really born leaders. They they have a calling to go to an, a service academy. And as I've told you before, my sister w- went to West Point, so I've kind of been familiar with the the type of person that goes to one of these schools. Is they are very driven. Like they have all of these intangible qualities that we're talking about already. Um, maybe what did you learn at Navy about how to inspire or motivate someone who's already pretty inspired and motivated? I just feel like that's such a hard skill set to acquire and develop. Yeah, well, the 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 thing you got to keep in mind is um, they have all those attributes, but it still needs to be fostered and developed. You know, and there's where I think coaches and and you know the people that they that they, um, whether it's their you know, teachers, professors, or their, you know, company officers, or, you know, whoever the rank and file, you know, you know, showing them the way. Now, in my case, it was, you know, the lacrosse coach, which, as we know, sports is very important um, in general, but certainly at, you know, the military, at the service academies, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's you know, moral, mental, and physical, you know, the physical part of it is a very important piece. And certainly the, you know, the co- competition, um, when you're playing division one sports, it just takes it to another level. So, um, so at the end of the day, they need, they need to be developed too. I mean, it's there, you know, definitely is there, but it does, you know, and some of them, um, you know, it's like anything else developing as an athlete physically, you know, some of them have to work a little harder. Some of them are natural, you know, some of them are just easy, you know, they're just easy leaders. Um, but, I'll be honest with you, Jake, I, I did, you know, when it came to lacrosse, and I, I used to say this to, um, again, just in general, the people when they would ask you about the Naval Academy and how it is coaching, coaching um, these young men, I used to say, and I do swear by this, if you took them out of the locker room and put them in any, and put them in another, if you put them in Maryland's not locker room or North Carolina, you wouldn't really know the difference between you know, as I said, I say this jokingly, they can be knuckleheads just like any other <laughs> 19, 19, 20, you know, they can be kids, but certainly at the, you know, so there, and, and there are some of them, you know, that are just, you know, they're really into the military piece, but a lot of them, they're into it, but you just, again, you don't know it. They're, you know, there's still kids that want to have fun. Right. right, and, um, right. and, um, and they make mistakes. Unfortunately, they get held accountable. Um, and, 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 you know, a number of them have paid the price, you know, for some mistakes that they've, that, that they've made that, you know, any other place, any other where you probably get slap on the, you know, slap on the wrist and, right. you know, don't do it again. You know, these kids are getting kicked out of school, you know? And so there's a lot more, you know, on, you know, on the line when it comes to behavior. Um, but, um, but so, you know, as a coach, you obviously yield a lot of influence, certainly, you know, the head coach. So, um, that piece allowed me, you know, to just do my thing, be a coach, mm-hmm. you know, and yep. um, I was giving them, you know, a little bit of extra, if you want to call it, because again, we're playing a sport and they're there, you know, the Naval Academy is called the, the leadership laboratory, you know, that that's another name for it, you know, so they're getting, they're getting all of that, you know, teaching and mentoring. Um, we're just doing it from the lacrosse end or the athletic end. We're just doing it our way. Um, but it still is pretty, pretty darn effective. And a lot of them, a lot of the pieces are in line with, at least for me, right. you know, with the military, I was in line with them. So that made it a little, a little easier for me. Right. I was going to ask you a bit about building culture in a program. And it seems like at a place like Navy, that culture is already in place because it's part of the school, right? Is that 
all of those pillars of what makes success and and a winning culture is already almost ingrained in the school, right? That's why they go there in the first place is it to is. develop leadership and it, no question. No question. Now, the one thing I found you do have to be a little careful because sometimes they look at the athletic part as kind of a break in their day. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? They right, look yeah. at it, they want it to be, and there's where, you know, making it, making it, you know, yeah, we're going to be challenged. We're going to work hard, but we, we got to make sure these guys are enjoying it too, because this, these two hours of the day may be their most enjoyable of the day, you know? So you had to at least keep that in mind. Now it wasn't going to be every day we're out there, you know, we're, you know, you know, you know, having just a jolly old time, but you can have a good time. You can work hard mm -hmm. um, and, um, and, and um, not be growling at them all the time. But, um, um, you know, so that part you had to, that was something for me, um, you know, and, and for everyone, you know, most of the coaches at the Naval Academy did not go to the Naval Academy. So we were all learning, you know, then I think the, the AD wanted, for some reason he, he thought that that was a benefit, you know? And so, so there was a learning curve is where I'm getting, you know, I'm getting gotcha. to okay. um, those first couple of years trying to figure that part out. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, just go be, just go coach, just go be, you know, go be the coach that you've always been. Mm -hmm. um, and everything else will, um, you know, kind of follow suit. What made it difficult to recruit or what made it easy to recruit at a place like the Naval Academy? I'm just thinking about, um, like you're talking about the selling points at, you know, St. John's, we have basketball here in Dartmouth. It's an Ivy league school at yeah. Navy. It's like, you know, it's, it's a, it's pretty much free. It's like you go to school, you're not paying tuition, right? It's a beautiful campus. Everything's you're just, you, you commit to the military, right? And you're, you're committing yeah, to a life yeah. of service and it's not the same at all as a regular college experience. So I'm it's sure not. that there are pros and cons there in recruiting, but what, what was your experience recruiting at a place like Navy? Yeah. You know, it, that's, you know, it's not, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to describe, I guess, because it wasn't on some, on some, on, on one hand, you'd be shocked with the interest of, you know, it's like, wow, you know, it's not like we're, you know, we're begging kids to come, you know, the interest is super high. Now, whether that interest is from the parents, a lot of times that, you know, the parents, Hey, let's, you know, cause they, you know, had military or something, they believe in it. And, and a lot of times you do get the kids will follow suit or the gang kids that follow suit. But a lot of times the kids want to go do something else. And as you pointed out, um, a couple of things you pointed out that, that, that certainly, you know, for a 16, 15, 17 year old, the idea of the commitment, you know, the four years of, of, of college, if you will, and then the five years, a minimum of five years um, that you have of service. Um, and usually that's beyond five years. Um, you know, I, I would say the percentage of, of, you know, five years and like, you know, right to, you know, right on the five years and get out there. Inevitably it's a, you know, you know, you, another year gets tacked on for whatever the reason, but then there's on the front end. Uh, and, and, and a lot of cases, not, not, you know, not all cases where you, you, you just, you know, have to go to prep school. Uh, and, and, and that's a challenge too, because like I, a year, you say it's only a year, a year to a 15 year old. Again, that's another year. So that's 10, doing the math, that's 10 years, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. a year of prep school, four years of college and five years minimum of service. Uh, so that, that's, that's not an easy sell. Um, 
you mentioned it, you know, I used to say, hey, you know, not only do, do you get the come for free, we pay you, you know, the government, they get paid, you know, right, you right. know, and so you try to, you know, um, but you do sell the big picture. It's not, you're not, you know, it's not a four-year commitment. You're making a lifetime commitment. And and yes, you are, um, you know, you're serving your country. There's, 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 there's a lot, you know, to be said for that. And, and we all know that it takes a special person, you know, especially to go to the military, you know, to, to West Point or the Naval Academy or even Air Force. Um, you know, there's something that's special in that young man, you know, that he's committed to, you know, again, putting his life, not only putting his life on the line to protect the country, um, but, um, you know, again, a minimum of the, you know, of the education, you know, the, uh, the serve, you know, the combined, again, 10 years minimum. Um, that's, that's not, you know, for a 16, I keep going back to a 15, 16, 7 year old. That's a lot for him to, um, you know, to, 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 you know, to digest. For sure. I mean, I was, I was talking about how hard it was for me to, you know, pick up the phone and call, call a coach, <laughs> but these people are committing to almost like a lifetime in the military at 15 years old. It's, it's very yeah. difficult. And I, it, it baffles me how my sister made that decision at, you know, 15, 16 years old when I would have never really thought that she might do that, but it's amazing what these, these young men and women do. You know, and, 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 and they come, the one thing I found is you would get kids who knew it right away. You know, you would get some that didn't know it and, and, and it would hit them later on, you know, it hit them like, you know, they get in high school and they're like, you know, I want to serve, I want to go, you know, and, and um, some of them, it's a family thing. Some of them, you know, it's no one in her family, you know, has been in the middle. You really do get unique stories and, and, you know, I've had some kids who, you know, you know, went through it and was tough, hung in there, you know, and, and then they graduate and they're, you know, they're not happy through it. You know, they're grinding their way through it, and then they graduate and it's the best thing that ever happened, you know? Right. And, and uh, so it, 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 that was, you know, my eight years there, eight plus years there was, um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was special. There's no doubt about it. Um, just the people that you're around, the environment that you're in. Uh, I used to shake my head the first year a lot, but even in my eighth year, I would sit there at times and be like, I don't know how these guys do it. I don't know how, the, I don't know how they, I don't know how, there's not enough time in the day for these guys to do what they're, they're being asked to do. And I, I, I actually went to a couple cause they have coaches go to class days every October month of whatever. And so I'd go, you know, and sit in on some of the classes that they're taking. And I would just sit there and be like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> There's no way. I don't know. You know, so I, I was, even though I was a coach, and I think a lot of the coaches would say this, you're in, in a lot of ways, you're in awe of them, you know, for mm -hmm. what they're doing and what they're going through. And, and um, especially it's one thing, even as a, just to be a regular student, but then to be an athlete and the commitment that that takes you know, and, 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 and a lot of these athletes are very, very successful athletes. You know, right. it's not like just, you know, it's a participation sport and you're just playing, you know, and these people take, you know, it's serious stuff, you know, and, and they're very good at it. It's high, high end. Uh -huh. And they're able to do that all the while. Yeah. That, that leads me to my, my next question for you is who, and this might be somewhat of a tough question because I know you've been surrounded by leaders and people of high caliber for a long time, but of the people that you've encountered recently as a coach or, you know, maybe some of your players, some of the other coaches you've been around, who has, 
um, a certain work ethic or leadership style that really sticks out to you as as excellent? Like you've never seen anything like this person's work work ethic or their leadership, like something that really inspired you in a person. Well, Pat, you know, this young man at the Naval Academy, Pat Kena, um, played at Landon. Um, I did not recruit him. He was a freshman. He was, no, was he a, um, he might've been at the prep school my first year. And, um, and so um, he, I think he graduated in 2016. And it was right, um, you know, my first couple of years, you know, it's, it's no, um, no big secret. I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was the first couple of years was a big transition for the team, for me. Um, you know, we struggled on the field mightily. Um, and, um, and so it was going to take, it was going to take a special person, you know, a special leader. Um, and he was the, he was the one, I don't want to, you know, I, don't, I because party wants to choose my words carefully because I don't want to disrespect anyone else because there were some other great leaders and, uh, you know, it took more than Pat Kena, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, Jules Godino was the co-captain with him. But I think Pat was the the one. He I found out stories, and this was at a time where our program, um, Jake, we were getting better. Um, we were getting better, bringing in some some pretty good recruiting classes, and we were starting to, you know, we are starting to see it, uh, you know, in practice on the field. But you know, you still, you know, you still got to get over that hump, you know, and there's where Pat Kena came along. I'll never forget this. Um, and Coach Walner and I, my assistant, who's now out of Notre Dame, the defense coordinator at Notre Dame, we still talk about, you know, Pat Kena from time to time. The first meeting, um, his beginning of senior year, they had been gone all summer. So we're going to meet with the captains. It was like in August sometime. And um, we had a list of things. Again, we were right at that point where we were getting better. We were, you know, now it's going to come down to the, you know, really detailed and, 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 you know, that culture, the team and, and all that now took on another meaning. And, and so um, we had our list of things that, you know, we were going to ask the captains to, um, you know, kind of lead the way on. And um, we walked into this meeting and they're like, coach, coaches, you know, we, you know, we got a list of things that we, you know, that we want to, we want to talk to you guys about. And if there was 10 of them, eight of them were the exact same things that we were, we wanted to talk to them about, you know what I mean? It was like coach Wild and I looked at each other like, Oh my God, you know, we were like, wow, you know, this is great. You know? And what made it even better is they followed through. Now I heard stories. I heard stories after the fact about how, um, you know, he was running the team and how the team respected him. He was one of these captains where, and this is one of the things too, they teach, you know, one of the things you learn at the Naval Academy is the difference between leadership and likership, hmm. you know, and, you know, likership. Yeah. He's the fun, great guy. You know what I mean? We all like him cause he's cool. And, you know, and inevitably that guy becomes kind of the leader because people think he's, you know, he's popular and he's a good guy. Maybe he's not making, you know, the best decisions off the field, but he's just a good guy, you know, right. that, that versus the guy who, yeah, he wants to, you know, nobody wants to be talked bad about. So I won't say he doesn't, doesn't, you know, mind, you know, he doesn't want some love, but it's not about that for him. He, he, he's it's respect, you know what I mean? And so he wasn't afraid to hold his teammates accountable. He wasn't afraid to, you know, to discipline the, the discipline, the team before mistakes that, you know, were being made where they shouldn't have been made, you know, maybe out on a Saturday night or, you know, they're not going out on Friday nights. Maybe seniors do juniors get to go out for, you know, for a little bit, but so he was doing, you know, like, you know, as we all know, 
a locker room, keeping a locker room clean. It's a little thing, you know, but it does says something. It does say something about the team. You know what I mean? Right. You know, and I'm sure everyone has their locker room issues. And for the first couple of years, I had locker room issues. You know what I mean? You know, the equipment managers moaning and groaning about this, that, and the other thing. When Pat Keener was in charge, we had no locker room. Op- uh, we had no locker room issues. You know what I mean? Things like that that he just took care of. You know, mm. and um, and so. I have a tremendous lot of respect. He, um, there's another young man, Steve Waldeck, who I coached at Stony Brook. I, uh, um, he's very similar too. He was one of those guys that the work ethic guys look up to, you know, and, and, and that was important for me, you know, as we were turning the corner on that program, I wanted our, I wanted those new guys, those young guys to come in and look up and see the seniors doing things the right way. See the upperclassmen doing the right, the right way. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. That, that really, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say Pat made sure that the upper class were doing things the right way, a for the present, but also for the future. Yeah. That really changes the culture of the program because the, the younger guys come in and now they want to be like him. Right. And then hundred you know, percent, it just, it works on its own from that point forward. So that's huge for a coach, huge for a program. No question. You know, and, and, um, you know, yeah, he, yeah, he was impressive. Yeah. And, and again, you, it's one thing you, when, you know, when you're seeing it, but then, you later on, you hear stories, people, you know, the guys are telling you, yeah, coach, you know, you just, you know, that next year they, they're flooding me with stories about Pat Kena, you know? And I was like, Oh my God, really? He, he did that. He goes, yeah. One day he made us, we, we were screwing around. We got in trouble or something. Saturday, you know, he took us out on the field. He ran us. He, you know, we couldn't go out, you know, and I was like, really? <laughs> um, He's an so, extra yeah, coach. He, he, he stands out. He, he really does stand out. Um, and, and again, it came at a time for me, and where the program was where, man, you know, we needed, you know, we needed that type of person to, to, you know, to, to be a leader, um, you know, of the program as we were trying to get over that hump. So coach, uh, any chance you remember to bring the book, a book recommendation? Do you have a book recommendation in mind? I do, you know, and it's funny because we're talking about the Naval Academy and, you know, one of the things that I learned, um, and I don't know how it was when you, when you were up at Harvard, like when you went out on, when you were with um, your team out uh, um, at away game, overnight game, or team meal, you're at a team meal, even at home, you guys probably had team meals. You know, what was the rank and file of, you know, the upper class, you know, or the team, you know, did the seniors eat first and then you, you know, all the way to the, you know, the freshmen because they're freshmen, you know, they eat last. Typically that's how it was, you know, at places that I coach, like the seniors, you earned the right to eat first, you know, and then the freshmen, you're freshmen. At the at the Naval Academy, I found that I felt like early on that's not how it works. It's the other way, you know. They want the fr- the freshmen eat first, the seniors eat last, right. you know. And I thought that was so awesome. That to me, that was I was like, oh my god, that is great. That's how it should be. You're right. You know, we you know you want to welcome these freshmen, especially at a place like the service academies, where as we all know, these freshmen aren't going through your typical freshmen. Yeah. You know, they're not hanging out on a Monday night, you know, with the boys, you know, at, at a frat <laughs> house watching, you know, the Cowboys lose to the Redskins. Right. Um, you know, they're so, you know, so that's that's even more of a reason why you want to try to make things as easy on them as as can as you can, because they're dealing with so much other stuff. Yep. But um, so um the book that the book and I've I'm I'm I've read a lot of it. Um it's called leaders eat last. Um, why some, why some sports teams have success and others don't. Oh, wow. It's written by Simon Sinek, um, S I N E K. And, and really he just talks about, um, 
leadership, you know, the culture, developing culture of a self, you know, selfless culture, you know, the leaders um, being selfless and creating, you know, uh, you know, the culture of, of, you know, corporation trust, you know, where we were, you know, and he, he dives deep into early on, he goes way back to the primitive days where we were built to, to um, work together. You know, he, he kind of starts way back then, you know, and he brings it forward, you know, and he talks about um, some certain companies and how their success, military brings up the military. So I, when I saw it, I was like, oh man, I, you know, and I'd heard about it. So I knew I had to read it because again, at the Naval Academy, it's about leaders eating last, you know? And, um, and so it, it's a, it's a great book. Um, and, um, you know, it's, you know, it's, if, you know, I guess for anyone, but certainly being a coach, um, you know, it, it definitely um, gives you some good insight on some, you know, just on how to, you know, being a leader and, and, and um, you know, the, their, his philosophy on it. Um, that fits in perfectly with our conversation about Patrick Kina and, and the leaders really that, you've, that you've coached. So leaders no eat last. I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. Leaders eat last. Simon Scenic, S-I-N-E-K. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Scenic okay. or Scenic. Um, but um, uh, it's a good book. Awesome. It's a good book. Coach, thanks so much for hopping on the Zoom today and uh, and coming on the podcast. It's It was great catching up with you and talking to you. I learned a lot from hearing you talk about your experiences. Um, should definitely do this again. We miss you at Gilman for sure. The guys miss you out on the field. So uh, oh, I hope to me. see you. Hope to see you out there soon. You're killing me, Jake, man. It was great. This was this was a lot of fun. Um, it's great to see you. And and um, I'm going to try to get up. I'm going to promise you I'm going to get up to a game. I get, well, I, I, I'm throwing out these promises. And, uh, <laughs> we, we, I won't be able to see you guys play. I won't be able to see. Now, at practice is maybe a practice. I don't know if you're allowed to. Maybe coach, if I get tested, I can sneak in. And Because and, I'd love to see the guys, you know, Kyle and all those guys, Craig and Remy and, and right. Charlie Pope and, and uh, who else am I missing? There's the middies there. Some middies, um, you know, the younger, the younger middie. I guess one's a senior. Who's the guy I'm thinking? It was a middie, kind of raw. We, we was just, we were just getting them into some action last year. Um, Tompkins, Jake Tompkins. Um, Jake from State Farm. Yes, Jake. Yes, my man, Jake. He was. How's he doing? By the way, I know we're talking. About, is he doing all right? I'm, he's doing well. Yeah, all these guys are. Um, they're doing well. We definitely have some some talent to work with and some guys. It's not the same, obviously, as last year. Those guys were high caliber, but we they can really we can do some work here with with these. Well, I have no doubt you and Coach No Strand and the coaches will will work your magic and um, <laughs> the boys will be competitive. But Jake, this was awesome, man. I really appreciate. Um, it was an honor to be honest with you. I, it was just great to be able to talk and 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 share some stories. And you, you kind of brought me back to some of my old days that I could you know. Um, share um, with you and and how I got to where I am today. And so it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Coach Scholl, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, Jake. I'll talk to you soon.